Hello, welcome to Pod Academy. This podcast was first aired on PhysicsCentral.com, part of the American Physical Society and a great source of science podcasts on everything from the smell of snow to Hollywood earthquakes. This one is about the fluid dynamics of birds and fish. Enjoy. might fall in love with a bird, but where would they live? Well, when it comes to fluid dynamics, birds and fish actually come from more similar neighborhoods than you might think. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and on today's podcast, we explore the physics of fish schooling and bird flocking, and how these animal collectives use their fluid environments and each other to get around. Dr. Hassan Massoud is an assistant professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at the University of Nevada, Reno, and he recently co-authored a paper on the hydrodynamics of collective locomotion. Birds fly in flocks and fish swim in schools. But why? It turns out that fluid dynamics can go a long way toward answering that question. So there is a self-interaction which is inherent in both fishes school and bird flocks. You've tried to come up with an abstract system that just retains the basic features that is common in these two systems and then try to analyze it. And the basic feature in our view is the interaction of all these uh, participants in the school or flock. They all produce some kind of vertical flows and they themselves constantly and actively interact with these vortices that they themselves generate. A bird flapping its wings moves the air it's flying through, generating turbulent, swirling, vortical flows that the next bird down the line will encounter. Masood and his colleagues set out to understand how this self-interaction might affect the spatial arrangement of the birds in the flock or the fish in the school. Even though the two systems are very different when it comes to the shapes and behaviors of the animals and the density of the fluid medium, they have a lot in common because they operate in the same fluid dynamical regime. There is an important parameter in fluid mechanics called the Reynolds number, which basically tells us about the importance of inertial forces versus viscous forces. We can think of inertial forces as the punch carried by the momentum of the fluid. The denser it is and the faster it's flowing, the larger those inertial forces are. On the other hand, viscous forces reflect the internal friction of the fluid, trying to damp down that fluid motion. Depending on the density, viscosity, and speed of the flowing fluid, the system can behave in dramatically different ways. When the Reynolds number is small, which is the case for microorganisms, when the particles are small, everything will turn into instantaneous interactions. So to some extent, you lose the history of the fluid. Everything happens instantaneously. And that makes the calculations easier and also makes the physics a little different. But flocking birds and schooling fish don't live in the calm, memoryless world of low Reynolds number. They live in the turbulent regime. When Reynolds number is high, then things are not instantaneous. They're going to left behind some vertical flows that somebody else is going to interact with at later time. So you, you will keep the history. Your interaction depends on the instantaneous configuration and also your past information. So by moving through the fluid, you're kind of encoding 
your history in the fluid and the next person is going to see what happened before. And this is the, the time dependency, time history is something very important and it is inherently different between the swimming of swarm of microorganisms in very low angles under as opposed to swimming of fish in a school or flying of birds in a flock. So does this encoded history in turn affect the spatial arrangement of flyers and swimmers? You bet it does. Using a circular tank with paddle-like wings that can be flapped at a range of amplitudes and frequencies and comparing experimental results to computer models, the team found that some arrangements work better than others for the group as a whole. They cannot swim or fly at any spatial arrangements. Some of these spatial arrangements are, are going to be unstable, and some are going to be stable. If the system is stable, so there's a little bit of deviation from the current spatial arrangement, it's going to be tolerated. So if you a little bit deviate, you're going to be pushed back to the original stable state. But if you're unstable, by definition, a perturbation could kick you out of the stable state, and then you're, you're going to go wild and you're, you're going to lose your coherence. This emphasis on stability, how easy or hard a particular arrangement is to maintain, adds a different dimension to the study of collective locomotion, says Masood, which has tended to focus on group speed and efficiency of power expenditure. Whether a given flying or swimming formation is stable can be just as important. Putting these factors together, the mathematical model even found that in some cases, birds or fish might have two different travel options at their fingertips, uh, wingtips, depending on how close together or far apart they end up flying. In fact, what we saw, we saw some biostability, which depended on the amplitude and frequency of the flapping in our system. Using the exact same flapping motion, a flock or school could utilize a fast mode that saves a little power compared to an isolated flapper, or a slow mode that saves a lot more, the only difference being the spacing between the members of the group. We have the same kinematic characteristics. By that I mean, in particular, we fix the amplitude of flapping and we fix the frequency of flapping, and then we see that so everything is fixed, but the wings can swim at two distinctly different speeds. One has higher speed and one has a lower speed. And actually, we can compare it with an individual wing when there is no interaction. So if we had no interaction, we had a single wing and, and there was nothing else uh, around it, you would have, let's say, a uh, speed of one. Now... Uh, when we have interacting wings, they're biostable. One velocity is higher than this. Let's say it is 1.5, and the other one is 0.5. So basically, it could be above the speed of a single swimmer or below the speed of single swimmer. Why does this happen? If you think about flying behind another bird, the distance to that nearest neighbor, how close you're following, will determine what part of the wake from their wings you encounter. The phase of that wave affects your flapping in turn, and your flapping affects the bird behind you, and so on and so forth. When they're swimming, they are producing some vertical flows that they would leave behind, and the next swimmer, or in our case, the next wing, is going to see what was left behind 
from its neighbor. And when you see this, it's important in in your phase space. In this case, where there are two stable power-saving modes of group locomotion, there are two options for spacing out the wings and making sure each flapper encounters the wave from its neighbor at an ideal phase. And what we see is, is these two stable states: one is in phase, the other one is out of phase. Can you guess which mode is which? Spacing out the wings so that the waves all arrive in phase with the flapping results in the slow mode of mass transit, and the fast mode is achieved when the flapping of each wing is exactly out of phase with its neighbor's wake, giving it something to push off of and really get moving. Having two different group speeds could come in handy in different situations, like migration versus outrunning a predator. But this study is not about explaining animal behavior. Masood also points out that flocks of birds and schools of fish are far from identical in every aspect. Sorry, star-crossed lovers. We started with an abstract experimental system to look at the basic features that exist between fish schools and bird flocks. Although in detail they're going to be different, and the other fact is behavioral issues are basically taken out of the picture, and we're just looking at the effect of fluid mechanics here at the beginning. With just a few simple laws of interaction that take into account the memory of the fluid, physics can go a long way toward explaining why birds of a feather flock together. You've been listening to the Physics Central podcast. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and you can find more information on fluid dynamics, bird flocks, and fish schools on our website, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com.